You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. The show we talk about all things real estate, home staging to live and to sell. Welcome back to season ten. This is episode six. This episode is brought to you by SocialLightVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Social Light Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Social Light specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to SocialLightVault.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So today I'm super excited to have an interior stylist from the UK to be on the show for us today. So her name is Joanna Thornhill, and she's also a very well accomplished author as well. Her passion for design, eye for pulling together cohesive visual story, and approachable yet knowledgeable writing style has led Joanna to her dream career as an interior stylist, writer, and author. With over 15-year industry experience under her belt and a decade of working on her own projects after honing in her craft as an assistant, her specialization includes interiors, still life, and lifestyle styling and prop and craft productions, as well as trend forecasting and feature writing. While predominantly focusing on stills, she also produced content for film, which includes both television and online. Also, regular style events for press launches and corporate functions. Her client ranges from editorial to commercials and online as well. She's also a published author. She's published three books so far. So this year, she published "My Bedroom Is an Office," which is published by Lawrence King. In 2014, she was published by CICO Books. It's called "Home for Now," and She also published, re-released this book called "Insta Style for Your Living Space," which was released in 2018 and sold worldwide. All of them has been featured in Amazon's top 100 interior books with their respective categories. So on today's show, today we had a really great conversation in regards to interior selling and also pulling things together to have a very cohesive look and feel, and also how does that apply to branding as well. So it's going to be a really good show, and I can't wait to get into it. All right, so let's get started. So hi, Joanna. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get into the work that you're doing now? Hello. Thank you for having me.、Um, yes. So I am a London-based interior stylist and writer, and I've written a couple of books as well. And I started to get into this line of work. I was always really interested in interiors, but I wasn't sure I wanted to be an interior designer per se, and I wasn't really sure what else. There was out there, so I, I studied fashion at university, sort of fashion promotion, and I was interested in the kind of fashion styling side of things. But then, as my degree went on, I realised actually what I'm more interested in, in is the kind of scenario and the set dressing and that kind of thing of the world that the clothes are in, rather than the clothes themselves. Otherwise, I didn't really know quite what I was going to do. So I started just doing some work in TV production, as sort of being an office runner and just working on a few. Various different TV productions.、And、from that, I was able to get into, got in touch with people in the art departments, and started doing work 
more within the sort of set design teams and, and prop making, that kind of thing. And then from there, I, that was all sort of freelance. Um, so I had sort of lots of times in between jobs and things. So I, I then decided to start contacting um, some interior design magazines and other freelance stylists just to try and get a bit of work experience and a bit of freelance assisting. And it, yeah, it all sort of took off from there really. So I worked as an assistant for several years in, in that world. And then, yeah, yeah, well, after several years or so, I then I got offered a maternity cover job on a magazine called Women's Weekly, which is a sort of general interest women's title for ladies of a certain age. But um, it was it was really nice to work. I was working on there. I was assistant homes and craft editor. So I was doing all of their yeah, home homes pages and craft pages. And then when the maternity cover came to an end, that was when I sort of fully went alone as a grown up, <laughs> grown up um, freelance stylist. And that was sort of 2010, 2011 time. So yeah, so coming on for sort of nine, nine years or so now of doing my own thing. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And it looks like you have a very well rounded portfolio. So you've been very successful as well. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone all right. It's gone pretty good. <laughs> so what is it like to work as an interior stylist? So well, I suppose every day is different so what I tend to do because I think there's no kind of set terminology for what an interior stylist is in the same way if you're a doctor or a lawyer or something it's what I do as an interior stylist is I pretty much solely work for commercial clients and it's generally to create a look that's for some kind of promotional purpose. So whether it's editorial images for that are going to go into a magazine or say catalogue or online type images for a brand sometimes I also do um, event styling so say if a brand's got a new launch or it's their new autumn winter collection or whatever it might be I'll style the space for that but generally everything I do is sort of for for a kind of sales purpose it's it's not really real (laughs) so that makes it there's a lot of crossovers with interior design but there's also a lot of differences as well because obviously I'm not thinking about longevity of anything I'm thinking about creating a certain look and and to get across a certain point or to sell products whatever the brief might be so and again I think there's been a lot of a lot of similarities with the home staging I think a lot of the sort of way I would go into spaces is the same kind of techniques but again it's kind of for a different outcome if that makes sense no, that I makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that makes total sense because I actually used to work as a prop and wardrobe stylist assistant um, oh. on photo shoots. So I know fairly well mm. what that process is like. And I do find there's a lot of similarities with staging because you are focusing on telling the story visually mm. to sell this product, whether it's a product your client has, maybe it's a book or a piece of furniture or in our case, a home. So I think it, it has, it's just the process is a bit different and working with clients a little bit different. So can you talk a little bit about the process, what it's like working on a commercial set? Like how do you deal with clients? Because you mentioned brief as well. For our audience who's not familiar with that environment, what is that like for you? Yeah, so normally how it would work is client will approach me with their brief. So for example, we've, we need to produce some more images to showcase our autumn-winter range. And 
it sort of very much depends on the client really some will come with and they'll already have worked together with buyers and marketing in various different departments and maybe even got involved with trend forecasting or organizations and so they might come and say these are our trends these are our ranges they've already sort of done quite a lot of the work to begin with and my job is then to kind of take it from that point and go and choose the products design the sets that kind of thing other times it might be that a client comes along and says I've never done a shoot before I don't really know how it works kind of what do I do <laughs> so I'll then help them to work out that side of things so we'll sort of have a look at various images and, and discuss their their brand and and what their aims are and their objectives and, and work out what it is they're trying to achieve what they want to get out of the shoot in kind of a broader sense and then hone that down into right so you've got six ranges of this new flooring or, or whatever it might be so we need at least six shots and we need to it needs to go on social so it needs to be comparable to a square format and all of those there's quite a lot of things to take into consideration when it comes to that sort of thing and then yeah and then I'll just sort of work with the client from basically from the starting point right to the shoot day and then I'll, I'll have planned out all the shoot day normally to within an inch of its life because there's always so much to do on a day most of the creativity tends to be done before the shoot it's all kind of planned and then you're just bringing your plans to life and as soon as that one that first set is done you're on to the it's ripped down and you're on to the next one Obviously, there is creativity on the day, but you need to very much know where right, we're shooting this dining room in this spot and these are what's going on that table and we're having a cake and a knife and all those kind of things are planned in advance. And yeah, so that's basically the process. Yeah, and there's so many people involved as well because you got yourself, the stylist, you got photographers, you got art directors, you got a client as well, agencies. So there's so many different people involved in the process. How do you make sure you're all communicating and you're on the same page about what you're trying to achieve. So, yeah, so obviously some shoots are a lot bigger than others. Some might literally just be, well, I've been on some shoots where it's just me and the photographer and that's it. Really nice little small ones. And obviously there's been clients involved in the planning process and, and they know what we're doing. And normally when that happens, it's clients that me and the photographer and the client have all worked together before. So we all know what to expect of each other, really. Um, other times it might be a big shoot. And particularly sometimes if it's a, a big filmed rather than stills shots or if it's something with models, that kind of thing, suddenly you can have, you know, easily a, a dozen plus people all kind of on set trying to have their, <laughs> their say. So really the challenge is just, again, it's all in the sort of pre, the planning and just making sure everybody knows what our aims are, what we're trying to get out of it. And sometimes it might be that there's, particularly for a larger company, it might be that there's different people with different agendas. So it might be different variations of the same shot. So say you're doing a, a furniture shoot, you might do one shot in a style that's kind of quite loose and real life that will be fed into for more editorial use. So it will be given out to magazines and bloggers, that kind of thing. So it's just that little bit kind of looser, a bit more realistic looking, or it could be that those are the shots that are really pushing the boundaries a little bit with trends and things. But then someone from marketing might say, well, we, we also really need a shot that's going to help sell this particular sofa. So then maybe we'd strip out some of the props, we'd change the angle so it was far more focused on the sofa rather than the room set as a whole. So it's just about everyone trying to sort of respect that there might be a few different aims from different people going on and to just try to 
either create something that kind of does everything or yeah, split it out and do a few different variations of, of each thing or, or of key things so that everyone gets what they want out of it really. That's great. And so how do you find all the profs for your shoots and your projects? So it really varies. So obviously for any commercial job, so for brands and that kind of thing, the products, you'll have props and you'll have product. The product being their thing. So obviously if it's a furniture company, all the furniture will come from them. Um, if it's a flooring company, a bit more free reign, but the flooring obviously will have to be from their range. Uh, so once that's established, I'll then go to work out where I'm going to get my props from, depending on what we need. So depending on the shoot uh, and what it is, I will often go to the various prop hire houses in London, which that's normally what I would do if I needed a lot of things. If you needed sort of full room sets worth of stuff, if you needed furniture and rugs and lamps and all those sorts of things, that if you had to buy those things, it would be cost thousands and thousands. If it's a smaller shoot where I just need maybe sort of little bits and bobs, it might, sometimes it works out more economically for the time and money to just go to the shops and buy a few bits and pieces yeah, from, from the shops or online, particularly if it's sort of any really weird weird and wonderful specific things i had to dress a camper van once to look like a hawaiian christmas um so so most of that i just ended up having to buy online because it was so specific and then i will go locally to buy any sort of i call them fresh props so food flowers those kind of bits that you'll get the day before yeah and then if it's if it's a shoot for a magazine then you tend to get press loans of the products so you'll you'll get in contact with the various brands and say I'm I'm doing this photo shoot on floral interiors or something and then they'll supply you with with their products the products you'll, you'll choose the products they'll supply you with them and then you return them afterwards and it's all in exchange for a credit in the magazine but normally that's only on editorial jobs sometimes for commercial jobs I might sort of set something up with one or two brands so yeah for example I, I did this flooring shoot recently so obviously they didn't have they only do flooring so I contacted a couple of brands that I thought their product would work really well with flooring and they lent, loaned us their products for return in exchange for shout outs on social media with the images and, and that kind of thing as well so that can be quite a good way of of working around things sometimes particularly if budget is tight Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, when I was working as an assistant, it seems like we were always shopping. My boss would just always be looking at things. Like every time we drive by some place, she'd be like, oh, let me drive by that store because I wanted to see what they carry and all that stuff. Like she just wanted to know what exactly everybody carries and always kind of keep like an internal Rolodex of what and where we can go to get specific things. Yeah, I think my brain is a one giant <laughs> internal Rolodex. I do try to kind of, I've got various ways that I try to keep mental notes in some kind of vague physical order or using online apps and, and things. Uh, but yeah, it, it's always good to know, particularly if, if you've got a specific look. So if I know I'm doing something a bit kind of light and Nordic, I can sort of off the top of my head think, oh, I know this brand's going to have all that kind of stuff and they're not too expensive, whatever it might be. And also, yeah, I was going to say that I do, I do also have my own props at home that I bring to shoots. I try not to have loads of stuff, well, partly because I just live in a tiny house, uh, but also you don't want to keep using the same things, the same props over and over again. But I do kind of have a bit of a go-to 
of certain bits. I often end up shopping, shopping my house uh, to bring stuff to shoots, particularly things like books and killer jars, that kind of stuff. So often I'll sort of be be supplementing with my own bits and pieces. I've got a massive array of Christmas <laughs> props for all my Christmas shoots I do. I've got some bags of pine cones and boxes of baubles in every conceivable colourway, all, all that kind of thing. And also if we are shooting in a location house for a commercial shoot, often those houses have lovely furniture and props and things anyway. So sometimes we, well, often that, in fact, that's a consideration if you're booking and I'll, I'll often help and advise the client I'll do location research and advise locations I think might work. And that will partly be based on things like, I know we need to get a nice living room shot and a nice bedroom shot. And this house has a bed and a sofa and, and these various things that will match that look well. So we can just use their existing items. So we're not necessarily, sometimes you go into a studio space that's literally a blank canvas and there's nothing. But often if, if the shoot necessitates having certain things that the client can't provide we'll try to at least bear that in mind and, and find somewhere to shoot that we can make the most of what's already there yeah i think that's very clever and it's a very economic way to deal with that challenge so when you're working for a brand or selling a home how do you decide the story you want to tell like what are some of the tools that you use to tell the story of the home or the brand visually so once as well as working out the these ideas based on trends that are coming up that we can sort of go down those pathways often I'll 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 look at various trends and then I'll think how can we kind of cherry pick elements from different trends to create either a single direction or it might be that if we're shooting a whole range of furniture for example we might shoot want to shoot four or five different trends that look actually very different to each other that aren't necessarily a cohesive set of images as a whole each one feels quite different and independent to each other so we'll we'll sort of do that and an early very early element is what the actual product is so that will kind of dictate the starting point so if the product is a like a dark green velvet sofa or something that then that would lend itself maybe to a kind of a, a dark decadent look of a room so if the, if the client has a whole range of different types of products it will dictate a bit more in terms of fabrics and colors and that kind of thing than if it's a brand that maybe just has one kind of furniture or one style of item that they produce and that's when you need to start looking further out for different fabrics and colors and stuff but yeah normally i'll sort of work out the sort of the trends that we're going to go for and then build in the bigger pieces from there and then work out from that point the smaller elements that are going to go into the space that really bring it to life and often I will plan in advance so if for example we're doing a dining table shot I will plan for example is it going to be a formally laid table is it going to be quite casual just with stacks of plates and the jug I'll think about what kind of food is going to be on the table sometimes I get kind of a bit geekily into the kind of backstory of it so I'll, I'll kind of have a clear idea of of this type of person and yeah what what's going to suit them so yeah if that answers the question yeah no that was great and I also wondering do you have a signature style if you so like how did you find your signature style yeah I think that's a really good question and it's something that I talk about sometimes with other stylists or often see other stylists at um, events and press shows and things a lot of we don't ever well you don't often work with other stylists at the same time unless it's a really big job and there's a different loads of different sets going on but we tend to kind of all know each other it's quite a small industry really which is nice but I I think as a stylist you 
it, it's finding that balance between you have to be quite a chameleon in terms of different clients are going to come to you with different requests and it's you're producing a commercial product i.e the photo shoot or, or the event or whatever it is for them so you're having to work to their brief but equally they they normally clients choose you because they've looked at your portfolio and your website and they like sort of the general style that you have so so there's kind of it's kind of finding that middle ground between having your personality in there but still first and foremost producing something that's going to be of most benefit to the brand so i think my style is is pretty quite eclectic and colorful i like mixing different pieces and, and styles and objects together i i don't tend to do things that are overly formal or fussy and i do quite like to just bring in little quirky touches and have a bit of a lived in look i'm i'm not much of a minimalist it has to be said so i think if a client wanted a very stripped back minimal living room whatever it may be they there's probably other stylists that do more that kind of thing if they want something that's a bit more colorful and also because i to do craft makes and things like that as well so that's something that I can bring to the shoot and I think people come to me for that kind of thing as well yeah so it seems like it's something that you kind of figure out over time uh, while you're working you kind of observe like what really works for you and what doesn't really work for you yeah it's definitely and I think also your style style evolves I think um, we've been living in our house for uh, seven and a half years now and I never really had an overall plan for the house we never had the money to do it all at once we've just kind of decorated one room at a time as we had the money and then we're at a point now where we've well I say we've done everything or done all the rooms but I'm already <laughs> going back and making changes to other rooms and things but it's interesting now now I'm at this point with the house I've noticed that actually at home I've decorated with a lot of blues and greens and quite calm tranquil colors even though I really like bolder brighter styles but I think for me personally it's my home is sort of a very lived in look it's it's an old Victorian house and there's a lot a lot of period features and a lot of old Victorian things in it as well I, I think it's it almost looks like it could be just like a mad old woman's house <laughs> but um hopefully there's enough relevant elements in here that <laughs> that it doesn't completely look like a, a sort of bizarre museum so I know you also work with brands when a brand is unsure of their direction like how do you help them find their visual identity normally with brands so some brands will come forward who already have quite a well-established style that they might be well always brands are looking for ways to kind of move things forward and do something a bit different and, and um, progress other times I might get involved with a brand from quite early on from a point where they're starting to be big and successful and, and they've maybe not not spent much on shoots in the past and now they're having to kind of think a bit more about it and have a bit more of a brand identity so in that situation I tend to work with them look, look over what they've already done what they do and don't like about it, possibly sit down and go through some images together, say pull together some magazines or some catalogues from other clients and just try to, or other brands, and just try to work out what it actually is that they that they like, that they're aiming for. Because I think sometimes people can say, oh, I really love the style of this brand. But then when you really look into that brand, you realise actually what they like is 
the, the space they leave at the edge of the shots or the way they, they've cropped their images or there's normally kind of some sort of thread running through so it can it can be helpful to have those kind of sit down conversations just go through various things like that just to try and sort of work out what they like and from from the images that they like how that would translate to their brand what what can we take away from that and learn from that and and put their own spin on yeah and I also think one of the challenges you have as a stylist working on a photo shoes is to really express that brand's personality but you still have to appeal to a wide range of people so how can we bring personalities into our styling while appealing to a wide range of people and still speak to that specific demographic that our client is trying to hit Mm. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the million dollar question, really. I think often on shoots, particularly say with clients that haven't shot much in the past, sometimes it can be the stylist and the photographer are kind of kind of working together. Sometimes it's a bit of a kind of one step at a time process to to reach a point of meeting in the middle where you're. It's always such a fine balance, I think, between selling a product and selling the lifestyle that makes someone want to buy that product and it can sound counterintuitive sometimes to think well we're we're trying to sell this chair but we're going to actually shoot it with the chair to the edge and crop through a bit of the chair and you can't quite see the detailing on the back but this shot has created a really beautiful image that makes me think oh wow I love this is such a lovely image where's all this from oh my god it's from that brand I wouldn't have thought to look at them and then your your interest will be piqued in that brand so I wish there was kind of a a specific rule to give it's it's very much a kind of case-by-case basis and it depends what it is because uh, having said that if you are on a shoot where you're literally just there to shoot that chair for a product sales page you do need to see it really clearly and see all the different sides of it and stuff but if it's more for images that are kind of the general promotional marketing image that's to entice the customer then you do have to very much have the overall bigger picture in mind as well as the specific can I see this chair right. type of thing. And were there ever clients whose style requests were completely different than your style? So how do you still do that job and deliver for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I mean, sometimes people, I, I have had uh, requests come in in the past that I've thought this just isn't, not that it's not my style, but say something that just isn't the right fit for me and I don't think I'm the right person for that shoot. So to a degree, I suppose I edit out, and, and also I think people will edit me out for for anything that is sort of a wild, a wildly mismatch of my skills. And it's always a range from clients where you think, "Wow, I really love, I genuinely love this brand. I would buy all these things in my home." To uh, brands where you think, "Well, I personally wouldn't have this. Personally, isn't my sort of thing. But my job is to make this look the best that it can." with my own little slant on it and sometimes in a way that's kind of nicer because it's a bit more of a challenge because you can take something that in of itself maybe isn't that exciting but then you're putting it into this lovely room set you've created this whole scheme you've got wallpaper and rugs down and stuff and you've created this whole little narrative about the person that lives in this space and you've created this image and you're like actually this looks really lovely and you you then almost look at that product in a new light you think actually maybe I could have this maybe I could see how this would work in my own home in, in this kind of scenario so you, you almost change your own mind sometimes 
Yeah, I do think styling is a, a way of communication, and not just communicating with the clients, but also communicate with your audience as well. And it does evolve quite a bit depending on the situation.、Mm. And are there days where you feel just like totally uncreative? So how do you unblock yourself and still keep working for your clients? I mean, sometimes it can, particularly if you're planning a really big shoot, and sometimes there's so many logistical elements. I think with with styling, which is probably the same with staging, I guess as well to a degree. There's there's so much that like the kind of the fun styly bit is such a small percentage of the overall. Job. So much of it is just working out the logistics of right. We need to create a gallery wall here, but we can't drill into the walls. So, how are we going to do that? And talking to set builders and、uh, dealing with you know logistics of when a delivery is coming and if that's coming here, can we get this in there? And what's the back access and all that kind of stuff. So, I think sometimes in those kind of planning stages, particularly I think when it reaches the point where. You sort of end up a bit stuck. There's always points in a job where you're like, "Well, I can't do anything with that until I hear from this," and then I'm waiting to hear about that, and then I don't have the budget for this. And I think those are the times when it when it's the least fun、um, because you kind of just want to overcome those logistical hurdles so you can get to the fun bit. So I think that's yeah, that that's the time when it's it can go a bit. You you can lose not lose motivation, but It can be a bit sticky and frustrating. I think by the time it comes to the actual shoot day, everything is so go go go. There's you're running on adrenaline.、Um, you sort of barely have time. You reach the end of the day, think、oh, I've not had a sip of water all day. So there's no kind of you're kind of just there's not even time to think about whether you're motivated or not because you're just you're just in in machine mode. So yeah, so I would say it's those kind of planning stages where it can get a bit demotivating at times. Right. And I want to talk about your book a little bit. Your new book,、mm-hmm. "My Bedroom Is an Office and Other Interior Design Dilemmas." So, what inspired you to write this book? So it was a kind of joint collaboration. Really, I can't claim total credit.、Uh, my publisher's Lawrence King. They'd previously released another book with another author called "My Garden Is a Car Park." And that was basically kind of the blueprint, really, the template, I suppose, for my bedroom as an office. And they thought that that approach could work for an interiors title, so they approached me with the idea because I'd written a previous book called Home for Now,、um, which was kind of very. Pra- it was a different style of book, but it was very practical, no nonsense, loads of ideas. That was mainly for、uh, renters and first-time buyers was the target, anyway. So that yeah, so they approached me for it and. They were obviously pleased with that, so it got commissioned, and it and it went from there really. But I just thought I was really keen. I really liked the idea of it being something that's kind of somewhere between a coffee table book and a practical guide, a sort of how to, and of having an interiors book where you don't have to read it chronologically. Every single page is a sort of standalone dilemma, and and how you would solve that dilemma. So you could go to the index and think, oh, how I don't know what to do with my north-facing living room. You could go to the index and <laughs> find the page that answers that, or you could even just sort of flip through and, and see what takes your interest.、Um, and I liked also the idea of it being a book that isn't necessarily just for people that already love interiors. I I see it as the sort of book you could give someone who, say, a, a couple that have just moved in together, and it would be a nice little housewarming gift, and they don't really know where to begin or what to do. I've never really thought about this before. Help. <laughs> so yeah, that was the kind of the, the aim and the idea behind it all, really. 
That's great. I think that's a great idea for the book. I really love it. I love the layout, and I think it's like a such a practical little book that you really can just go through with all the advice that you gave. Yeah, I just sort of liked the idea of it being a book that you'd have to hand and and go back to, rather than a, a book that book with loads of pretty pictures that you'd sort of sit and think, oh wow, this millionaire's house is nice um and then you put it on your shelf and that would be it i i like the idea of it being something that you might be you know six months time you'll go to start a new decorating project and think oh i'll, I'll get that book out again um because i can't think i can't think what to do how to rearrange my kitchen shelves or you know whatever it might be and i think whether you're a homeowner and you're looking to invest money in doing something quite significant to your space but then there'll also be some other advice for if you're not in that situation, you could still try doing this and that. So it's so it's um, quite um, inclu- all inclusive, really. Yeah, and I, I love a lot of these practical advice. And it seems to me most homeowners get stuck on these kind of seemingly impossible dilemmas, like they can't really change. Like they move into a house where the living room is too big or it's too small or it's in a permanent shade. So how did you learn how to deal with these dilemma along the way? So yeah, so it was a, a real mix. So I the way the kind of book planning process worked is I, I had to actually work out the contents page very early on in the book. So it was almost kind of the contents page became a, a blueprint of what the book was going to be. So I had to make sure that I knew that I could answer all of those questions. So I initially did sort of a big kind of survey and I specifically asked as well as my kind of interiors contacts I asked people to ask their everyday normal friends and family so that I could make sure that I was getting questions through that were from the everyday person so to speak not just kind of people already knowing about interiors some of the dilemmas and answers were things that I'd encountered that I knew about from just from my work the last sort of 15 years of working in interiors some of it was things the things that I've learned through both being a renter like trying to decorate my various rentals that I've lived in in a way that's going to please the landlord so I picked up lots of kind of little sneaky little tips and tricks from from that time in my life and then latterly the last seven years owning a home and finally being able to actually do things properly and being able to put holes in walls and all that kind of stuff and so learning learning that way so it was kind of a real mix of information that I gleaned that way and obviously there was a lot of things that I had to research and a lot of things that I thought oh I I kind of know that with a north facing room it can be good to do this and that but I'm going to I need to do a little bit of research into that. I wanted to make sure I wasn't just kind of making too many general sweeping statements and, and check, particularly with some of the more practical pages, things like what to do if your walls are too crumbly to put up shelves. I wanted to make sure if I'm advising on fixings and things, that obviously I knew what I was, yeah, lots of research as well as from previous experience. That's great. And so when it comes to styling interiors, if the homeowners get stuck, uh, how can they get out of that and move forward? Do you advise basically the similar process, maybe research and um, do a bit of Googling or asking around for professional opinions? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few pages. I think the first page pretty much is I've just moved in ah what do I do um and then there's other pages about I'm starting a room from scratch I don't know where to begin and so I think generally speaking my advice in those situations is to kind of try to take a bit of a step back don't do anything rash and to just 
take a look at the space, think about how you're going to use it, maybe even live with it for a bit as is, or, you know, if it's some kind of really awful bombsite of a place, maybe you just paint everything white because that's given it a, a subcoat anyway, then that's, that's ready to paint and decorate when you're at that time. And then you've just got a blank canvas to look at. And I think there's so many tools. I think obviously Pinterest and Instagram things, can be really useful. They can also be a bit overwhelming. So again, I, I mentioned earlier with, with clients, if, if I'm looking at images with clients to try and work out their style and they might say, oh, I like this image, but to sort of hone down, what is it you actually like? And I think what can be useful for homeowners if, if they're kind of starting out is to not kind of go too far in at first of thinking, right, I want to decorate this room. So what colour should I put on the walls and what kind of floor shall I get? To kind of look at a bigger picture of, what overall looks do I really like? Even if it's like, oh, I love this beach bar in Hawaii, it's really useful to work out, to, to look at what you're drawn to, even if it's, yeah, things that you can't literally recreate or, you know, a lovely a photo from a seascape or something, you know, it's, it's really interesting to look at all of those, bring all of those elements together and then try to see actually what I'm really, what I'm picking up on here is I'm, I'm really drawn to these natural colours or these kind of inky, inky finishes or whatever it might be I, I think that could be a really useful to, to kind of not narrow yourself down too early on to kind of look a bit bigger that answers the question <laughs> yeah and then when there's so many things to be done in the home like how do you budget and prioritize what to do I suppose when you're starting out it's it might seem really obvious that there's certain things that absolutely have to be done versus other things that are just kind of aesthetic and can probably wait. I think it's certainly if it's your own home and you're thinking of structural works, it makes sense to at least have an idea for that at the beginning or, you know, work that out early on. So you don't want to rush in and fit a brand new kitchen and, and then think in a month's time, actually, I wish I'd moved the kitchen and the bathroom round. So I think it's really important to think of those things early on, even if they're not necessarily things that you could act on at that point, because you might then think, well, I know in three or four years, I'm going to swap these two rooms now. So I'm not going to invest any money in them now. I'll maybe just spend a couple of hundred quid on um, making them a little bit nicer in the interim. And also to be aware of just the practicalities. So for example, it would be potentially foolish to decorate a hallway first. If you know you've got to strip out walls you'll just make a mess going through that space. So often it's sort of prioritising, if you can't go straight in and, and do everything you need to at once, just yeah, work, working out any big changes that you might be wanting to make in the future and then thinking, right, what's, say if the whole house is kind of fairly awful, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking back to when we moved into our house, what's the priority here? And for us, we knew we couldn't change the kitchen and the bathroom, so we try to make the bedroom nice first so that at least at the end of the day we could leave this horrible messy house that we <laughs> was not to our liking at all but shut our bedroom door and know that we had a nice bedroom so that for us was the priority maybe if we had kids it would have been the kids room so I guess it's just looking realistically at your budget and yeah work, working out from there which which option is best at that point. I think that's great that's a really great advice and, you know, as we know, going through the home, going through these challenges with very little budget, how do you find creative solutions to resolve them? Mm. <laughs> good, good question. I'm very, it's, I'm very budget minded. I, I spent so long living in rented places with, I had no money and or the very strict limitations of what you can do. 
and at the time I was kind of trying to make it as a stylist being a styling assistant and doing all that kind of thing so I had all these ideas and often as well I'd end up taking home sort of free leftover wallpapers and paints and things from shoots thinking about budgets because I'd often do things like paint up my furniture put wallpaper on furniture and things because that's a way to bring in pattern without putting it on walls making uh, furniture you know covering sofas and things out of old bits of patchwork fabrics and all sorts of things like that so I took that approach with me very much when we moved into our house particularly at the beginning when we were doing everything on kind of a, of a shoestring even now I think if I if I suddenly came into you know if I won the lottery I don't actually think I would decorate that differently than how I have done now I, I think I'd still have my bits and pieces from Ikea as everybody does here and there mixed in with my vintage stuff I've got you know things from grandparents things I've found outside and I really think those kind of pieces just give things character I think if something is all one thing whether it's all vintage or all new it just doesn't quite sit right I think it's the layering of all of those things that really kind of give give a space character and, and bring it to life so I think it's working out that balance and so I suppose say if you if you do think oh, I've just absolutely fallen in love with this amazing designer armchair maybe get that armchair but then get a really cheap secondhand sofa so that all in it's kind of cost the same as buying a mid-range three-piece suite so yeah I think that's kind of my approach to those sorts of things that would normally be my advice if someone's saying I've not got much money I don't really know what to do I don't think the money spent is is necessarily relative to the success of a scheme at all yeah I agree and I love that you mentioned layering because I think it's a really great way to unify the entire room this it sounds like you style with a mix of things not just the new things you might buy in a shop but also vintage stuff as well so what are some of the ways to make a room to feel very pull together so I think the main thing is to you want a space to have at least one kind of common the red thread going throughout it a sort of common something that links together and it it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes people think to coordinate a space, they, they might think about it quite literally. So they'll think, well, I've got a blue sofa, so I should get some blue on my walls and, and a blue vase. But it, it could be florals mixed with a more kind of smaller ditzy print or, or something. It, it could be elements of a colour without it being really obvious. It could be the fact that you've, say, got open shelves in your kitchen and most of your the things that you've got out on display are maybe say all handmade pottery which will have a bit of a bit of a lovely wonky kind of vibe going on again even if they're not matching at all that just having that having those kind of elements that bring it together I mean even things like plants if you've got lots of lovely plants and greenery in your space which as well as obviously being kind of a big sort of buzzword at the moment with biophilia and all that kind of stuff so just if you're kind of bringing in elements of plants and maybe bringing in some natural materials so making sure you've got some natural woods or some walls a sheepskin throw whatever it might be those kind of things again they're not kind of coordinated matchy matchy but overall they will kind of give this unified in, in that example that they'll sort of bring in this kind of natural biophilic kind of feel which will help tie the space together even if you have got kind of a, a new sofa with a 60s armchair and a Victorian coffee table thinking in that way will still help kind of unite the overall look that's great and what would you say is your number one tip when it comes to styling interior I suppose as a 
as a stylist, I think it's just those little finishing touches that are so important. And often that's the thing that kind of can bring the whole thing to life. So often on a, on a shoot, you're, you're setting it all up, bringing your items and you're sort of working on it and setting it all up. And then it's not often not until the very last minute when you put that little plant on the table and put the slice of toast on the plate, whatever it might be. That's then what makes it feel oh, it looks lived in now. So obviously you're not going to go around your kitchen putting toast on plates to make it just look nice. But I think it's just to not overlook the importance of those finishing touches. And particularly, obviously, if you're doing a big renovation, often the, the, those kind of things, the, the, the budget kind of run out by that point. But again, you, it's not necessarily something that you need to go out and spend hundreds of pounds on brand new, lovely cushions and vases and, and things. You can still pick things up I've made so many cushion covers in the past from bits of old vintage handkerchiefs and all sorts of weird and wonderful items I've picked up along the way so yeah don't underestimate the importance of those little finishing bits because otherwise the job isn't going to feel 100% done yeah I love that thank you so much for being on today's show I really appreciate it this episode is brought to you by sociallightvault.com are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Social Light Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to socialitevault.com. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.